the problem is that we're not tracking product attribution well enough with how that fits with the consumer body shape. It's time for e-commerce explored. Time to explore deep into a tricky e-commerce topic. We're here to help you overcome your e-commerce growth barriers. Welcome to my brand new show, E-Commerce Explored. I'm Chloe Thomas, host of this podcast, best-selling author, speaker, and host of a couple of other podcasts too. E-Commerce Explored is the home of our occasional seasonal podcast, where I'll be diving deep into one big topic over a handful of episodes to help you get to grips with it. Our first topic has been overstocks. Yes, all that extra stock you've got lying around. How do you get rid of it? How do you avoid it in the first place? All of this with the triple aim of helping you to improve your cash flow, increase your profits and become a more sustainable business. This is the final episode. But if you want more, just sign up for the virtual event version for free at ecmp.info forward slash overstock. When you go there, you will get video versions of every session, access to the live Q&A session, our Overstock's handbook ebook with lots of extra tips, ideas and checklists, and loads of links and resources too. And I should also say, if you're listening to this on the e-commerce master plan podcast feed, where we've temporarily been releasing these episodes, well, these episodes will only be here for one more week. So I highly recommend you sign up to the event for free so you don't lose access. So go on, hit pause and go to ecmp.info forward slash overstock to sign up for free now. Signed up? Fantastic. Let's get on with it then. In this session, we're going a little bit long term, a little bit strategic, a little bit big picture. We're going to be answering the question, do we need a more radical solution to the overstock problem? Spoiler alert. Yes. Yes, we do. Um, That's the only answer you're going to find here. Yes, we do need to start radically shifting our business models. I've never come across a retailer who wanted to be left with so much stock at the end of a season that they couldn't even clear it at 75%. So in this session, I'm chatting to two people advocating for big changes to our e-commerce business models. We're fashion focused in this episode, mainly because fashion is one of the worst categories in e-commerce for waste. It's also where an awful lot of the innovation and development is happening. But the principles our experts are sharing can be used in any product category. Coming up, we've got the inspirational Camilla Olson. I interviewed Camilla a few years ago for the e-commerce master plan podcast. And wow, wow, she and her business are what happens when AI meets unmet consumer needs. Essentially, she's talking about how we should actually make the clothes that fit people. If you don't believe that's not happening at the moment, just you wait for the stats. Camilla's session builds quite a lot on our forecasting session too, especially on Mark's advice. So if you liked that, you're going to like this. If you haven't heard that yet, then go back and watch it later. Um, Plus, any tech platforms listening, Camilla's built and patented the tech components to solve most of fashion's problems. But it's currently on the hunt for the fastest way to get that into the hands of the merchants. So she's on the hunt for software platforms to partner with to unleash it on the world. So if you're intrigued keep listening for more details on that and then our very last guest of the event is Megan McCann whose fashion e-commerce business is flourishing with a pre-order only model 
I challenge you to listen to these two ladies and not be inspired. Let's meet our first expert guest, Camilla Olson from Savitude. Hello, Camilla. Hi, Chloe. How are you today? I am good. And it's so, so lovely to be chatting with you again. Uh, me too. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. Um, so when we decided we were going to have a do we need a more radical solution to the overstock problem episode, I had to invite you in. So I'm so pleased you're here. So Camilla, how would you answer the question? Do we need a more radical solution to the overstock problem? <laughs> now, would you like me to elaborate? Yes. Well, yeah, but, but it is, isn't it? It's, like, it's a no-brainer question. Well, so I think we need to rethink the context and develop a lightweight solu solution that can be used. That should be flexible. Okay. So that said, what does that look like? Um, so I like, let's look to a neighbor. Uh, you know, comparisons are sometimes good to do. Um, in this case, I think so. So we can look at CPG category where there's no overstock problem. They have tremendous analytics unavailable to the fashion industry. And why is that? What's, what is the difference? So if you look deeply into what Oracle and other you know, systems offer and how they attribute and, based and run their analytics, they, they cover geography, the sale date, the employee cluster segment geography, uh, the consumer demographics, the organization, and wholesale really well. And they have basic uh, uh, dimensions um, like short sleeve t-shirt or blouse or top or whatever. They don't go into the design details, and it's the design details that at a very uh, highly detailed level, sorry for the repetitive use, that makes a difference because that's why we pay so much attention to designers because they're adding in their de-brand DNA in new and better ways each season. And we don't track that stuff. We don't track that against, you know, the um, basic attributes. So I'm talking and getting into design speak, but I think that that is the problem is that we're not tracking attri product attribution well enough with how that fits with the consumer body shape. Before we get deep into that, I just want to just um, clarify a couple of things because some of the audience might be going, CPG, what's CPG? So CPG is essentially the products you see on the supermarket shelves, all those kind of supermarket producty goods. I'm massively oversimplifying, but just to quickly get that across to everyone. And it, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? That industry, they're, they're not sitting there overproducing by 20% everything. They're not making more cans of baked beans or bars of chocolate than they know are actually going to get sold. You don't walk into your local supermarket and see 20% of, the, of the, the, the shelf space is taken over by best before date about to expire, please buy me now product. So it, like you said, it's useful to look at other sectors and other industries to see how they're doing it. And so they're basically you're saying they're better at the data than the fashion industry is yes but well, let's say they're not better their their product is simpler than the than a, par, a piece of apparel an item of apparel is um so they have an easier job and the problem with fashion describing it you know if you have 10 people in the room, each item is going to describe this scarf differently, my shirt differently, 
your top differently, even though it seems pretty, uh, all of these things seem pretty basic. We'll all come up with a different description. And typically these, this job goes to interns um, who aren't trained in design speak and don't have the, the full breadth of description. Um, and so without the really complete description, you can't do the analytics to figure out what is your problem year to year. Got you. So because we're not accurate, accurately recording the commonalities between the seasons, between the trends and so on and so forth, we can't drill down into we always overbuy green. Doesn't matter which green it is, but we always buy more green than our customers actually want. Therefore, being totally simplistic about it, so therefore we should buy less green. Yes, except they do cover green. They do record the color of the item. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that, let's say we go through a different example, like a short sleeve shirt, um, and they but it's different season to season. Well, they haven't recorded that there's shearing across the bus. And a lot of people don't like that, or the shearing does sell more. They, they don't record that fine level of detail, and shearing is small gathering, <laughs> you know, where the fabric is compressed into a narrow space for your audience. Uh, so that's the main reason, that's the main issue. So is this a, a training um, re- solution? Is it a strategic solution? Is it a technology solution? How do we... How do we reframe this in the fashion industry to get that data between what the customers are actually buying, feeding back into the initial buy of the product? Okay, so before I answer that, let me just back up what I'm saying a little bit. Um, so um, we've had a couple of advisors, um, the company, our company Savitude, um, who were you know top the head of merchandising at a top luxury fashion house and one of the top five uh, big box stores. And they both told us the same situation, that the analytics are really uh, lacking. And um, even within this top five big box, people in finance, people in marketing, in sales, in product development, they all use different systems to organize their, their business. And they all describe the same item within the company differently. So you need a commonality. I mean, it's a really big problem. So in my opinion, in our opinion, the company, we believe that you need a, an automated universal taxonomy. Um, and so, wow. Yeah, wow. so good image, <laughs> it, good image recognition can do that. And we've built that system that does that. So just to be totally clear here, if you've taken a good, sh- good product shots, you could put them into your solution, those photographs, and it would automatically allocate the right taxonomy to that product. Yes, but you're implying some restrictions that make the system weaker. Um, so a robust system would take any product shot and be able to identify what's in there. So I, I don't want this to be a selling situation, but just to say, you know, you want to be able to identify um, pr- product attributes, product design details at a very fine level, even in crappy photographs, because you might be buying from a brand new design house that's very hot and they haven't gotten their photo shoot act together all that well. Um, and maybe the 
it's badly shot because you can't really see everything. But because I have run up a fashion label and our team has, and we've done, run a lot of photo shoots, we know those tells and they're all built into our, our knowledge base. So if you're smart about it, if you have designers in the process, um, you can build it. So for example, for ours, you know, we can take images from the retail store on the street. So social media images. Um, it, so we could track like, where is it being worn? And that would feed into your data, your analytics as well. Um, we also can identify in dark images. So you need a really robust um, system so that you can do a complete anal an analysis from beginning to the grave of that item. Oh, what I love about that solution is obviously the fact it's automating it's the best example of automation and AI and all this technology because A, it's it's taking something that's tedious and therefore gets given often to the least qualified person to do it because it's a tedious task. It's taking that and, and dealing with technology and it's also making the data more accurate in the process because it's not going looking at three garments and then trying to remember to tick the right boxes on something, it's going, duh, 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 duh. everything's correct, which is, um, is, is super clever. Congrats on designing it. Um, how are you finding those who use it? Uh, have, how is it having an impact in people's businesses so far, taking this, this philosophy, this, this different approach? Chloe, we've spent, um, seven years in product development. Um, and we came to this understanding that we, how robust we need this system after we developed a series of products. And it's been a, a learning experience. You know, we started with a recommendation technology um, because we knew we wanted to reduce returns. Well, then we realized, oh, we don't have the right product on the shelf. Um, so there are a lot of people who were not being served by assortments because nobody's, so this, I'm leading it, to the second problem. How do you match your assortment to your consumer population? So in drinking, and so drinking, uh, let's say soft beverages, you know, they're highly aligned to ge geography and demographics. They're not matched to that person's, um, let's say their biology, their DNA, because I'm sure there's some kind of correlation. We're not at that level yet, but people kind of hint at uh, ethnicity and all that sort of thing. But in fashion, its fit has to do with your body shape and your size. And if you're not doing your analytics, including body shape, which is a uh, which contributes to 44% of returns, you're really missing a big part of the boat. So ha what happens? So the taxonomy is the base level, so that you can then improve the business. Um, so that's step one is the taxonomy. Step two really is a, is matching the design details to different body shapes. And of course, there are lots of solutions for that. You know, there's lots of 3D and images, photography, but only 20% of the people at most want to take the picture. So we developed a gender non-binary quiz so that it can be met, items can be matched to design details easily. Uh, and then the next question was, how do we fix the assortment optimization? And so you need to match your items to what your consumer population looks like. And we developed a technology to do that. 
But really what got us doing that was some research. And we analyzed fashion runways over the last five years and what body shapes were those items matching. And we found a a huge um, issue that we're making about three times as many clothes to serve hourglass body shapes as there are hourglass body shapes. And we only have like a quarter of the number of um, designs for other body shapes that are missing enough detail. And those are the people who look like they're not really well dressed on the street because they don't have very much to choose from. Um, so, you know, fashion is led by the runway. So then we went to brands and started looking at what, what, is, what are they offering on their website? and analyze that those items and we see that continued disparity and some companies are enlightened and and modify it but every company has a different fingerprint of who they're who they're flattering in their clothes it's very interesting so you, you have to be able to normalize your assortment to match your consumer base of course we developed a tool to do that <laughs> Yeah, we talked about we talked about that bit of the here's the population, here's the clothes that have been produced, and it's it's totally not matching. We talked about that so much in the last podcast episode, and it's it's awesome to see how you've how you've layered it up since then to make it helpful for the brand. And what I particularly like is that they can using your software solutions, they can get they can make they can get the data together to make an improvement immediately. You know, they don't have to wait for a season's worth of sales data to come back in. They can compare it to the the biometric data that you've gathered and so forth to improve it too. So um, such clever technology, but yet such a simple and obvious shift for people to make in their mindset. Camilla, we're going to wrap up in a second, but is there anything else you'd like to leave the audience with before we, before we do that? Yeah, so uh, I'd like to be able to say that we built the components and the way to adjust the designs of the merchandisers can do that. Um, but what we realized, going back to the question I never answered, um, on how you're, ta- Camilla, how's it going when you talk to people? They're like, oh my God, how am I going to implement this? So of course we built a very lightweight solution, but we realized, our board realized it's got to be integrated into the current business systems in order to really change industry. And we organized the company to change the industry, to improve it. So our board decided to um, place, you know, find us uh, the best business system to to partner with to um, integrate our technology. So what I'd like to leave you with is that we would like to be able to talk to um, business systems and PLM systems uh, to talk about integrating this technology. I, I love it. This is one of the things when you're talking to people who, who, are, who are on that kind of we must imp- save the planet type mission, we must reduce waste mission. It's, it's not I have to keep it all for myself. It's how can we find the way to make the quickest, fastest change? And I think that's brilliant about, you know, the approach you're now taking to this. So really pleased you're able to make that request here. Um, so thank you, Camilla, for being part of this e-commerce explored uh, series. Everyone watching or listening, wherever you may be, um, you can get in contact with Camilla on LinkedIn. And if you want to take advantage of that massive opportunity, she's just said, if you've got one of those tech systems um, who can 
join and partner with Savitude to take their components and change the industry fast, then um, they are looking for you right now. Um, if you're interested, please do contact Camilla via Camilla at Savitude.com to learn more. And it would be so cool to have the right um, tech platform continuing that brilliant mission. Links to all of that are available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock. And if we can be a tiny part in helping this impl- impact even faster, then that'd be amazing. So thanks so much for being here, Camilla. Thank you so much, Chloe. It was a pleasure. Let's meet our second expert guest, Megan McCann from Mile London. Hello, Megan. Hello, Chloe. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I think you're the almost, you're the only, you know, like 100% retailer we've got on. So it's very cool that you've you've been able to spare the time to do this. So thank you so much for coming on and bringing your perspective. Um, Here's the question then. Do we need a more radical solution to the overstock problem? In a nutshell, yes, absolutely. And obviously, not sure. I mean, I'm very happy to have this conversation, but I feel like this, this should, we don't need to have this conversation. It, to me, it's very obvious. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. So yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, everybody. So what is your, uh, your radical solution to the overstocks problem then? What is it you're doing at Mile London that's different? Sure. So, so at Mile London, we we just simply don't have an overstocks problem. We we run limited batches. We do pre-order campaigns. We do product wait lists, and most importantly, we work directly with our consumer, with our customer, to find out exactly what product they want, in what size, what color, what length, the waist, all of those details before we place the order. So we're never having to deal with thousands and thousands of you know extra extra smalls or extra extra larges simply because if it's not directly demanded, we don't buy it. So literally, until you've got enough people agreeing to buy that product, the purchase order does not go to the manufacturer. It's as simple as that. Correct. So to 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 give context or to, to backtrack, when Mile first launched, we ordered 500 pairs of trousers, men's trousers in smalls, medium, large. And that was our big launch. We ran a Kickstarter campaign and we fundraised to to produce these 500 pairs. And we said, right, this is our marketing drive. We put them out onto the streets. We get them in the hands of people. And then we start to rely on these people to shape our future collections. So based off the back of that, we had people come back and say, oh, I don't like the back pockets. Could you please change the back pockets? So we took 150 of our existing stock and tweaked them based on customer feedback. And then we had customers say, I'd love to see some shorts for spring, summer. Would you consider that? So then we took another, you know, 50 pairs of trousers and converted them into shorts. So we were forever shaping a, a product tangibly and directly with a factory in London based on on exactly what people were wanting. So for future lines, for our women's waitlist that's coming up, we have thresholds we have to meet with factories, you know, per color, per size, per style. And it, it's really, we're, we're pretty honest with, with our community. We just say, here you go. What color do you want? Okay, you want these three. That's great. What size are you? Cool. Do you want to hit this threshold with us? Come along for the journey. Share with your friends. Refer a mate. Get on board. And if we don't hit the threshold, then, you know, next time we'll try again. Or, you know, if you didn't put your money where your mouth is, when, it's no skin off our back. We're not going to order the product if it's not wanted. There's, it's no point for me. It's kind of, it feels radical, as I said in the question, but at the same time, it's kind of like, 
All right, so we're only going to buy stock that people actually want to buy. It's kind of like... Wait a minute. Are we not going to order sizes that don't exist in real life? You you know, it's it's kind of... I don't know. I don't feel like it's radical. I feel like it's obvious. Like I said, I, I think the fact that people are having a problem with overstock is is mind-blowing in in where we exist now if you you think about the digital technology you have surveying you have polls you have uh, customer research market insights you know you you have all this data at your fingertips and you're still having an issue with overstock i I just i don't understand i i I don't mean that in a in a um facetious way I, i simply can't understand how these companies have gotten to this stage where they're dealing with this problem you know if you if you don't have overstock or if you do pre-orders or limited batches or um, based on customer feedback, you're saving money on your production, your warehousing, your freight costs. You're saving energy from an environmental perspective. You're saving resources from an environmental perspective as well as, you know, staffing resources, material costs. Um, and and also, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's way easier to manage marketing campaigns if, you, if you're goal-driven. You know that you have to have 150 orders of the green trouser fine i can now work backwards or you also then get to leverage that 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 hype that fomo that fear of of, of wanting that trouser or wanting that product so i don't know for for mile it's not radical it's kind of it, it's the easiest and most straightforward way for us to run our business it is the more one thinks about it the more one realizes this is such a more powerful way to do business because you you were touching on it there. You've, you've got all those cost benefits within the business. And then you've also got the fact that it unlocks a load of really big marketing tactics, limited edition, the FOMO, the scarcity play, all of these things. And you've also got that piece of when you're doing it through interaction with the customer, like you said, they didn't like the pockets, so you redevelop the pockets. It's another one of those neuroscience things. If we're involved in the creation process, we're more likely to A, buy the product and B, then love it and actually use it, which means it actually gets used, doesn't sit in a wardrobe and then end up in a charity shop and then end up in some, um, you know, landfill without having been used, which is, you know, to take it to the nth degree of the sustainability piece. So it's kind of like, Every time I hear a business that's run like yours, I'm like, why is not everyone else in e-commerce and retail jealous of this? Why are they not thinking, how do we start tweaking our business model? You know, whether it's we're buying the stock, but we're going to buy 90% less than we think we need in order to do limited edition must ends, you know, it's, it's about to go and all those kind of great things or totally flipping the business model. It just kind of if I'd be I'd be banging on your door going help me help me give me some tips you know I mean you know you know I I don't want to undermine myself as as a business owner but it's it's not rocket science you know you you have pre-order plugins for Shopify you have um you know if you want to meet a threshold for your women's trouser you just add a note in your email saying please forward this email on and refer a pal to help us meet our thresholds like that's very straightforward and on top of that when you're managing your relationships with your suppliers, you have to, at least in our case, we have to order the fabric two months before it, it heads to the factory to be produced. So for us, of course, we want to know exactly what color to order or exactly how many we want to order, because not a chance that we want to order 
you know, thousands and thousands of meters of, of one fabric that nobody's interested in, then what do we do with that fabric? That, as a small business, that's that's money. That's That's gone down the drain. It's yeah, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. This is all I've got to say. It's, it's why are we not all doing this? It then brings in all those kind of extra awesome marketing opportunities. We're all here. We should be building a community with our customers. We all hear that we should be sending customers stuff that isn't buy, buy, buy. And when you've got them on like a two month waiting list, they've, they've paid, they know it's being produced, but they've got two months or whatever it is to wait until it's actually with them. You've got two months of a captive audience to go, look, this is how we pick the cloth. This is why this cloth's great. This is how to use the product. This is, you know, how to keep them excited about it. It's like two months of pure brand building opportunity with them. It's just, and then, you know, then the, the incentive to refer a friend, you're not getting this unless you help us meet the target. Yeah, totally. It just, <laughs> it, it just gives and gives and gives and it makes it makes life, I would imagine, as a as a founder, um, so much easier in the business when you're not going, what do I need to order more of? What do I need to order more of? You literally go, are we at threshold yet? No. Okay. Today I need to focus on marketing then. Correct. Exactly. That's an, it in a nutshell. And you know, the, the funny thing as well is that you, you often get surprised by what your customers ask for. So today we have a story up on our Instagram where I, I have to make a decision about what color fabric do we buy. So I've gone for, okay, well, we should go for black and we should go for true navy because, you know, we're technically in office trials, et cetera, et cetera. But what fun color should we have next? And so I did a type form survey for, you know, multiple tiers to find out, okay, are you interested in green? Are you interested in gray? Are you interested in tan? And I have these three colors. So I just chucked them up on the on the stories today on Instagram and just said, right, I got to choose a color. What color do you want? And I genuinely thought they'd all go for tan. And um, now I'm seeing the results come in and they're all going for duffel bag green, which I thought was really dated and a bit rogue. Um, that was my like weird choice. <laughs> and now <laughs> everyone's, I've got 54% of people want me to order duffel bag green. And it's like, guys, are you, are you like, is this a joke or do you actually want it? Because, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're telling me you want it. So I guess I'm going to have to order it now. <laughs> But but it's kind of cool, isn't it? Because you can do that piece, the quick type form, and then you can go, right, okay, here it is on the website. Put your money where your mouth is, guys. Totally, if we get yeah. X orders for this, we will make the green exactly. trousers, even though we think they're hideous. You know? Totally. I, I put it in the newsletter, actually, with the type form being like, you know, if you want to add anything else into the type form, let me know what you want. You know, maybe you want burgundy or whatever. Three people wrote leopard print, and I was like, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Whoa, that came from left field. Class? Yeah. <laughs> wow, did not see did not see leopard print coming there. <laughs> Me we are supposed to be an office trouser. We're supposed to be professional. Yeah, I mean, I am right in saying at the moment on the website there is black or navy, and that's it, isn't Red. it? Yeah, but leopard print apparently is a top choice. <laughs> so, Megan, I could I could chat with you about this for for the rest of the evening, but rather than do that. Um, let me ask a question to wrap us up a little bit, which is for anyone out there who's going, yeah, they are right. Megan is right. This is I, what I'm doing is crazy. What's your advice to someone who's going to, who's thinking about shifting their business from traditional retail to more of what you're doing? Any key things it's, it's useful for people to know so they don't, so they succeed at it first time. Because let's face it, for the good of everyone, we want them to succeed at this. 
I would say to seriously consider surveys as as a sales channel or as a as a customer engagement channel. And people don't mind, you know, you, I you don't have to use Typeform. I like Typeform because I'm I'm not a techie person, and it's very easy to integrate on a website or an email or anything like that. But it, it takes you maybe twenty minutes, half an hour to put together a survey. Just talk to your customers and and just say, you know, you've hi Megan, you've bought five t-shirts from me do you want to buy any more would you have them in a different color why did you buy five t-shirts just find out why are people still shopping with you or why have they not shopped with you is there a reason that they don't like your product would they want to see different sizing have you not considered that perhaps you've got um very slim waisted tall people instead of slim waisted short people you know just getting the detail from people about what they look like what they care about what they're interested in that kind of to me seems the first port of call is to just really understand your customers on a real personal level like i'm not talking about segmentation or all this person you know has a birthday in november or any of that i mean go to chloe and say hi chloe what can i give you as a brand and it it takes time it takes resources but the data you get back is incredible plus you get to start to build a direct relationship with your customer Um, and then off the back of that like i said if you use a shopify site if you use um, big commerce, it doesn't matter what you use. The plugins now for pre-orders and waitlisting, it's it's automated and it's straightforward. And I will put my hand up and say, I am very technologically challenged for an e-commerce business owner. And if I can do it, you can do it. It's like full stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I think people get a bit scared about managing customers on a wait list or managing customers on a pre-order list. But with the tech out there now, it is so straightforward to do it. Um, so, you know, go on, everyone. Give it a go. Or choose choose a one-off product to pre-order. You know, maybe you, if you're gonna, you want to introduce a new line and you're not quite sure, just just choose a t-shirt. Chuck a t-shirt up there and test the test the software. You know, have ten available to pre-order, um, and then just see are people interested or not. And then how do you manage pre-orders and how do you manage shipping and, and all of that? Um, speak to your customers. Yes, so easy. And actually, one thing which. I think is implicit in what we've been saying, but I think we need to, I need to ask you this question to check, A, I'm, I'm, I, what well, you're going to say what I think you're going to say, but also because I think this is important to get across the audience. Given you're running this on pre-orders, how much of your stock do you sell at full price? That's a very good question. Um, we sell, I would say 80% of our stock is at full price. Um, the remaining 20%, we have incentive discounts, you know, sign up for our newsletter and get this X amount off. But we also do have an option within the pre-order to pay. Um, you can use a discount code on Shopify, for example, when you get to the pre-order stage. Um, and that you could pay a 30% deposit upfront. And then when the product is ready and in, you know, in our hands to deliver, we then follow up saying, right, you know, your product's on its way. You need to settle your 70% bill. But I would say the majority of our products we do sell at full price. We don't do sales. Uh, we don't do, you know, we do discounts every now and then, you know, whether it's uh, 10% if you're a newsletter subscriber or if it's, um, you know, if we want to run a competition or something like that. But in terms of everyday sales or anything like that, we, we don't really offer that. It's not really, it's not a part of our business model. We, we don't need to heavily discount our stock to get rid of it because we don't, we don't really have any stock to deal with in the first place. So basically... If you're running a promotion, there's a really good reason for it. And it's a positive yeah. reason, not a negative reason. That's what we're saying. Totally, totally. And 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 if anything, whenever we have run a promotion, you know, we turned, uh, the brand turned one last October. 
and I had this, I ordered a custom cake. I didn't look at the cake before I opened the box. And we had this uh, customer party where we said, hey, guys, come join us for, for a beer and some birthday cake. And we had about 50 people there and I opened the box and it was the sexiest cake I've ever seen because they'd done the back like with a with a, a I don't know if this is what is appropriate with a booty picture um, <laughs> and it was very sexy for a men's trouser and so I was embarrassed and you know all of that so I decided to take ownership of it and said sent a picture to the entire mailing list the next day and said right you've got 20 hours to get 20% off using the word cake you know this is this embarrassing <laughs> thing we've done just get just let's just all laugh about it and get over it very quickly um, and and that was a very successful day people loved the booty cake <laughs> i love it promotions only when you want to run them whether it's yeah, because of the cake yeah. or for another good reason well look um megan thank you so much for being part of this e-commerce explored series it's been an utter pleasure chatting with you and i really hope we've convinced some people to change how they do or at least That's to so test true. doing pre-orders Guys, who, all of you who are watching, listening, if you would like to get in contact with Megan, you can find her via LinkedIn. And if you would like to try out this uh, as a consumer, this pre-order process, then you can buy a pair of Mile Men's Trousers or join the Women's Trouser Waitlist at www.onemilelondon.com. And that's the word one. So it's um, emilelondon.com or follow at onemilelondon.com or follow at One Mile London on Instagram, which again is one the word. Um, thank you so much for being on uh, the show, Megan. And oh, and I should also say, guys, links to all of that is available via ecmp.info forward slash overstock. So if you are watching this video, it's down there somewhere. Um, and if you're listening, then go to ecmp.info forward slash overstock uh, to get all the goodies. Uh, Megan, thank you so much for being a part of our event. So it was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it. You've heard from all my guests now. That's all out there, all ready for you to watch, rewatch, share with your team and take the advice from to improve your cash flow profits and lower your waste levels um, based on all the great advice of our experts. Huge thanks to my guests for this session, Camilla and Megan, for bringing such excellent insights. They've got you thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah, they have, haven't they? Just to reiterate, tech people listening, Camilla is looking right now for a tech partner to help her bring the power of Savitude to the wider market quickly. So please do get in touch with her if you're intrigued and interested in that. Lessons for the retailer here then. Well, they're pretty simple. Stop making products that don't make your customer look, feel awesome, that don't really solve their problems really well. Use the power of data to improve your product design and production, as well as everything else we've talked about in this series. And let's try and shift from a mentality of abundance to a mentality of scarcity. Let's put profit ahead of turnover. Create the best product you can. Only manufacture the volume you can shift at your target margin. Start testing pre-orders and limited edition runs. You will see a stronger connection to your customers and more profits. And if you want more inspiration, then next to this video, we've added links to some of the brilliant podcast guests we've had in the past who have equally inspiring and successful business models that change the status quo, including our previous interview with Camilla herself. 
This has been the last session where I'm the only one asking the questions, but we do still have our live Q&A session to go. So please do join us for that and bring along your questions. You'll find details of that on the agenda page on the website. And if it's already happened, you'll be able to watch it on the replays page on the website. Thanks to our partners, Nibble, Real Lift, Returnalize, Digital Gearbox and Sneaker Impact for their support in making this event a reality. You can access all those live sessions and more free resources at ecmp.info forward slash overstock if you haven't yet signed up. And if you have signed up, I'll see you in the Q&A session so we can all help you to master the problem of overstocks. Thanks for listening to e-commerce Explored, the latest podcast from the e-commerce podcast network. If you've got an e-commerce topic you'd like us to explore in our next series, get in touch via ecommerceexplored.com.